I, I'm just getting the visual of Chris <laughs> sitting between two mothers laughing and then him just going, oh, gosh. Clenching the armrest a little more. Clenching the armrest. I can't move because it's reserved seating, but even though I still could move, but I can't because i got to sit in my seat and I just can't move. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 481 with a review of Coco. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we're talking about the latest Pixar film called Coco. And uh, for our opening question, I wanted to ask you guys... What it felt like to, for the first time in what seems like Pixar history, not to have a Pixar short before the Pixar film? Oh boy, hmm. I knew this was coming. This, I mean, I, 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 obviously there's been some controversy over having this Frozen uh, short play, short that turned out to be pretty long, mm-hmm. but completely ignoring the fact that it was Frozen some Disney animated picture thing put in before a Pixar film. I just, did you guys genuinely miss having the Pixar short? I mean, I, I personally, um, I've been very surprised by some of the Disney animated shorts that have come before some of the other films. (laughs) Paper, paper, man, paper, man. (laughs) Uh, So paper man, I really, really like feast as well. Like they've been doing some shorts that I have definitely put on par with a Pixar short, but one of the, exciting things about seeing a new Pixar film is seeing that short that appears before it. And I like was very caught off guard <laughs> by having a frozen thing happen at the beginning of it. And I'm curious if that happened for either of you. Not not nope. really for me. I mean after Lava I kinda like <laughs> I stopped putting too much faith in whatever short would come before a Pixar movie. Um fair enough. I didn't I, I didn't really think about it. Like I think there's something about Coco already that you, even though it's definitely a Pixar film, it feels more in line with the Disney mentality, I think, than other Pixar films. Like it, I, I don't know what exactly quantifies that, but there's something where this didn't feel like a big departure to have a Disney short before it. So I didn't, the only weird thing to me was that Frozen is such a big beloved franchise already. Like watching a short like that felt more like fan service to the franchise and not like a cute little short the way that Pixar movies normally yeah, yeah. the short stands alone right e- even feast even though it was disney it completely stood alone same with paperman like those are yeah, yeah. little elegant things that could have gone before anything but this i don't know i i didn't mind it i certainly didn't think about the disney versus pixar thing it was just a little a little atonal to the rest of the movie no okay. carson i mean obviously you had had a, had a little bit of gasp as I started to ask the question, and you were a little bit annoyed. But um... well, yeah, because everyone online, I mean, they've moved on from Justice League hate and have now <laughs> pointed everything at this fucking Frozen short. Wait, really? People yes! hated it. It was, like, like, heartwarming and sweet and stupid. Like, why would exa- you hate it? Exactly, because people are like, I guess, had no idea that this was before it and that it was twenty minutes long and. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I don't know. Like, I mean, I knew it was gonna be there, and like, I was excited for it. Like, I didn't care. I was like, fine, give me Frozen all day. I don't give a shit. Give me Frozen two right now. And, and, I don't and, care. And for Disney, the record, Disney me, please. 
for the record, at least some of us in this podcast really enjoyed Frozen. I like I I was very happy with Frozen when it came out. Like, I thought it was fine. Like I, I I thought it was a very entertaining film. I thought they did some interesting things with the end of it, and I loved the music in it. Um, I yeah, think and it, I th- I thought that you know this was just more of the same. It's it's like you got a little mini movie in in front of your regular movie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, it, I don't had, I, it had the Frozen humor, right? Like there's a something fun about Frozen is it feels kind of like the humor was meant for a a film that's a notch above a kids movie. Like it it had a lot of fun poking at stereotypes and like letting letting characters play against type and stuff and th- this movie for sure had that like this little olaf short like i laughed a lot at the holiday song where he's visiting all the people <laughs> celebrating the holiday tradition and there's the oh yeah the, the man who wants to like schvetz the whole time like, i'm I going around great. collecting <laughs> traditions i mean the fact that they managed to cram in like six songs that weren't half-assed into 20 minutes was pretty impressive. Like, I mean, it was like five songs that weren't half-assed, and then one that was kind of half-assed. Yeah, but it wasn't even. I don't even think it qualified as a song. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and like I'm I'm I, doing I'm doing my best not to hate on the Frozen short itself. I'm just mostly my my question was was trying to like sidestep that and just talk about missing a Pixar short. Just because I mean, I, I people buy DVDs or downloads of just the shorts by themselves because they're. They're usually very high quality, have like a really interesting sentiment to them and at the very least show off some technical achievement. Um, it, it just it is definitely. Um, yeah, like like pe- people will stack rank their Pixar shorts. Right. And no one's ever right. going to stack rank the Olaf Christmas special in anything. <laughs> I mean, I look, I, I should have pulled it up beforehand, but there was some some Bobo on Twitter that was like saying how um he literally was saying that like he understood that disney and pixar were bedfellows like that was his quote um but he he thought that pixar shorts should be strictly in front of pixar movies and disney shorts should be strictly in front of like separate but equal right right and i was like (laughs) i was gonna jokingly say i agree with him until he had to throw that line out there steven (laughs) but it's like who are you the animated hitler it's like oh the pixar bloodline can't be unpure it's like fuck off people Uh are so dumb even good dinosaur bro (laughs) also i will say like it, it was the same reaction that everyone had to lava which i also did not understand why people thought that was bad i just thought the song was annoying but i still remember the song so like it did something right yeah yeah i I mean i i mean i don't care like i mean i guess the answer to the question is i don't i i don't care they could put disney stuff in front of disney all day long that's fine they can do that i mean i feel like most people would be you know like kids will be like oh cool like another frozen thing like they had a frozen short in front of uh cinderella that was actually a short. It wasn't like a 20 minute thing that was supposed to be for TV. But then they were like, fuck it. Let's put it in front of Coco. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I will say that if you don't like if you're just like Joe Blow moviegoer and you got a bunch of kids and like you didn't know there was a 20 minute Frozen short in front of the movie. Like I will say that I guess it's slightly understandable like if there you watch 20 minutes of previews and then a 20 minute frozen short and then a 2 minute thing saying thanks for coming to the movie look at the animation we did in our computer and it's like okay like just let me see it you know yeah mm-hmm. um, it, it's, so it's also it was especially worrying for me um if I can take a quick second to tell another little story before this goes on too long is that when I was looking at the movie times to get my ticket 
the the time on the site for runtime, it just said 45 minutes. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. They must have left off a one or something. Like, obviously, this is not the correct listing. But Are you looking City, at that in your MoviePass app? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was in the MoviePass app. But yeah, like, they've been dropping off the hours. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I, I just see this thing that says 45 minutes. And I'm like, that that definitely must be wrong. And then I'm sitting at about minute 18 of this Olaf short. And I'm like, is Coco 45 minutes? <laughs> like, it was like, why would they pad the beginning of this with 20 minutes of nonsense? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, of is a it, totally different movie. I was like, is it really just that short? And they're like, well, we did what we could with Coco. Here it is. I, like, I got really scared for a second. Um, and luckily what we got was not a 45 minute other right. short of Coco. We got like a full length film, um, which we will talk about. Anyway, I liked it. It was it was fun. Give me frozen me all day. I dig frozen. it. They're they're learning from Marvel, right? Like Disney shorts in front of Pixar, Pixar shorts in front of Disney. Try to cross pollinate a little bit. Who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Disney not- and Pixar are living together, mass hysteria. Oh my gosh! Don't cross the streams, bro. <laughs> well, now we now all of our streams and, are crossed. Now that we have anyway. the movies anywhere app. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I, I just thought, of course, people were having a meltdown online. I was like, really? It's just not. It's just, it's, come on. This is crass commercialization. Like, it's like, ugh, every day. Like Olaf movie is, in, a, in a sauna. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, let's stop talking about the short that opened Coco. Let's get into talking about Coco itself. We are going to take a listen to the trailer for Coco and then come back and give you guys a review. Once every year, our ancestors come back to our world. Please have a safe journey. To see family (laughs) and friends. But no living person has ever visited their world. Until now. Who's in there? I'm sorry. <gasps> What's going on? <laughs> Dr. Guido! You gotta stay with me, boy. We don't know where we are. I'm just streaming. <laughs> Do you mind? <gasps> What is going on? Remind me how I know you? They're your family. We have to get you back home. Welcome. Anything to declare? Uh, As a matter of fact, yes. All right. So the film Coco is about a young boy who has a dream to become a great and famous musician. Uh, but his family, due to their past, has sort of forbid him to participate in music and has sort of like ruled out music in the whole family for generations. Uh, one day, this young boy, Miguel, decides that he's going to try to steal a guitar and ends up finding himself inside the land of the dead. And before uh, sunrise, he has to find people who can give him their blessing to help release him from the land of the dead so he can get back to the real world and along the way have a nice little adventure to 
learn more about his past. Stephen Miller, what did you think about Coco? So I almost didn't even watch the movie yesterday because I was like, <laughs> I was just not into the trailer. I think on the podcast I referred to it as Coco Cultural Appropriation or something like that. Um, <laughs> oh, brother. No, like, and it wasn't like I was upset. I just thought like it looked kind of lame from the trailer. And I, I was wrong. Like, I, I thought this was great. It was a heartwarming kids movie. This was definitely on the kids movie spectrum of Pixar. But like, who cares, right? That's nice. Uh, I thought it had a nice lesson. It tackled some interesting themes. I thought the set pieces were really lovely and exciting i the story was really simple right like you can kind of call all the plot twists you know 30 minutes ahead of whenever they happen but that's fine right like it it was fun to live in this world that like the music was nice the characters were nice the world was interesting and i thought the rules were like well defined enough to be a kind of fun fantasy i thought they did a really good job of like showing a new culture without making it be super cheesy or heavy-handed. Like, they made it just enough that I think kids were going to be like, this is cool, this is interesting, can I put up photos of my relatives now? Like, it, it just did everything right. It was it was great. It was a good kids movie. I don't, I don't have a lot to say about it. Like, the jokes weren't the kind of laugh-out-loud funny that I think Pixar can get when they're, like, really aiming at the adults. Here they had a few, like, funny stuff about Frida Kahlo as this, like, self-obsessed artist and you know, a few little jabs here and there. But for the most part, this was like very kind of kid-like. That's why I I feel like this fits with Frozen. Is it, it really felt more like a Disney movie than a Pixar movie to me. It felt like we're aiming this at kids. We're going to make someone go on an adventure and everyone's going to learn something by the end. But it, I, I can't hate this movie. I, <laughs> I, I loved it. I didn't, I didn't cry exactly, but like I got, you, I got warm and fuzzy. I got, I got warm and fuzzy at the end. I didn't cry either. I, li- I liked everywhere it went. If I could criticize it all, it's just that I didn't like the dog Dante very much. I kind of thought like <laughs> he was just there so they could have an animal along for the ride. He, he I, da- Dante was almost the same model as the uh, Will the Deficient Seal from <laughs> from. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Finding the, Dory. The, yeah, Finding Dory. Like it was literally <laughs> the exact same facial model as mm-hmm. that that. <laughs> seal I'm trying to find the politically correct way to talk about a seal that, that isn't he's a, he's a development developmentally delayed seal yeah, yeah exactly yeah sure. he's like seal team i can i can fuck with dante but no, i like i i thought the i thought the the concept was a little contrived when i just saw the trailer like oh they're gonna try to make a whole movie about playing music and being in the land of the dead but it I thought the visuals really worked for this. Like, it, it reminded me of this game, Grim Fandango, that I played when I was younger, like a point-and-click adventure set among a bunch of skeletons. But it, like, it had these vibrant colors. Like, the the other animals in that world were really cool. I thought these orange leaves that kind of, like, dictate how the two worlds connect were really nice and bright and colorful. I saw it in 3D. I asked Chris if I should, and I think he was right. I think it the depth was nice and not too heavy-handed, but it just made it, like, a little more immersive. It was... It was cute. It was good. I, I dug it. I think anyone with a kid, like, I think the kids are going to like it and you're going to be pretty happy you saw it. Carson Patrick, what did you think of Coco? Um, yeah, I liked it too. I think it's probably my favorite Pixar movie since uh, Toy Story 3, which uh, I guess is fitting. It's the same director. Um, yeah, I liked it because it's not, it's not, um, it is more kid-like. It is 
not as serious as uh, some of Pixar's other movies, like Inside Out and Wally status. There, there were which... no like miscarriages or anything in this <laughs> <Yeah>. movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was uh, fun though. The vibes were really really good, especially once he got to the the land of the dead. Because um, in the beginning, I was kind of like. Eh. I don't know. It was just kind of typical stuff in the beginning. Um, once he got to, I mean, the whole movie is really typical and like really like, you know, you could say that Pixar isn't reinventing uh, stories in any of their movies, but they just happen to do it pretty well for a lot, for mo- most of them. Um, but, you know, I had a, I, it was fun. The Land of the Dead stuff was really cool. Like, all the, the designs of the world and how there was all this, like, intricate, uh, intricate things going on and, like, the, just the whole system of it. Um, and the animation, I mean, was really just nuts. Like, I, I mean, their movies seem to get just better and better looking each movie. I'm sure there'll be, like, four SIGGRAPH papers on how to model bones this year. <laughs> which is well worth it like every year they invent some kind of new challenge to do right like a few years ago with brave it was like how can we make hair look as good as possible with the good dinosaur it was like how can we make plants and scenery look as good as possible and now it's like how can we make bones with no muscles still animate right yeah but i think also yeah. like the i mean obviously their their big shining thing was literal shining right yeah. like the the glow that they had emitting from like even just everybody in the, bef- in the transition between life and and the land of the dead, like that that glow that the characters have, where they have a glow without casting light on other things, but then like the petals, like all glowing, like it, it's I was I was very very impressed. The leaves were definitely uh, definitely cool, very very cool like look and the colors and stuff of that. I although the like the whatever they were called not the spirit animals but like the the like brightly colored mythical creatures or whatever i don't remember what they were called but uh yeah they're basically spirit animals the alabrihe i think they're called those like those look cool but for some reason they like i didn't think they like fit in the movie like they like weirdly stood out i don't know why to me it did i mean that that seemed that seemed intentional though like they they are their own sort of thing that can like, even though the 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 people in the land of the dead are all dead and they're skeletons, they're somewhat grounded as real life things that are just in this dead form. But these spirit animals were like they could take any form they want. They could be mythical and be separate. Like they definitely were supposed to exist in a way that doesn't like that isn't the same. No, I mean, I get that. I'm just saying like the visuals of it. Like, I, it just seemed like it was from a different movie because, like, the movie looked very autumnal and they're, like, neon yeah, yeah. colors. But I, I just I just assumed, and I could be an idiot, that they were, like, supposed to, like, pinatas they, are supposed to be made yeah. after these creatures. Probably, I'd, yeah. I'd assume. Is... Yeah, there's some kind of art style that, that does that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I did like that it was, it was, it was fairly, fairly dark. Like, there was a lot of uh, kind of dark uh sinister things going on um especially there's a there's a nice few twists like in the middle of the movie that i that i thought were cool um which is kind of like which is why i like toy story 3 so much because there was like a weird like horror element to that too 
Um, but this movie is like way better than um, the other Day of the Dead movie that came out a couple years ago, The Book of Life. Yeah. Like that movie had pretty solid animation too, but like it was just, it was just kind of exhausting. Like, I mean, it was, it was more of like, it was even more of like a kid's version, like very silly, um, but like not really fun. It was, but yeah, this was like, this was definitely a step up from, from that. Um, so overall, I mean, it was, it was really fun. Like, I honestly, like the land of the dead just looks like California adventure. Like it's just a low key <laughs> ad for Disneyland. Like, it's just like, I don't sure. Like just show me all day, Disney. I don't care. I would go to Disneyland again. Fine. <laughs> Get me excited. Here's take my money. I don't care. Um, can you only get into California Adventure if uh, somebody has posted your photo in Disneyland? Or I guess in California. I don't know. I fucked it up. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to go with no. I don't know. Um, sure. Yeah, there's not, not a whole lot a whole lot more to say. Please stop me from talking. Yeah. I don't know why. Will, will, I, will, I, will, I will rescue you. I'll... I'll, I'll Put your photo up so we can come back. <laughs> Bring me up on the door. Bring us up to the podcast of the living. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, so, I mean, if longtime listeners of the show know that I have like a sort of rule of evaluating Pixar films, I have this, this idea in my head that Pixar films are supposed to be about fantastical things that are happening in our world unbeknownst to us, which is, Ooh. which is why I hate cars because that, that breaks the formula. Um, uh, la 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 la. So you should hate um, up, right? I I feel like and Wally. I feel like up. Up. Well, I mean, I I did hate Wally. I mm-hmm. mean, I I love the first forty five minutes. Well, anyways, I don't want to retread every single film, but basically, like I've had this like <laughs> I I kind of hold this. There's like there's like the Pixar Prime, which is like the films that fit this rule that are about this idea of things and fantastical things in the world that we don't see. Didn't like uh, Brave. Uh, like, you know, I, there, there are things where it's like, they're starting to tread out away from what I hold to be the key of what Pixar was doing. Um, so I was a little bit worried about, about Coco. I, I assumed it would be entertaining and animation would be great because that's what Pixar does. But I was kind of worried about what the film could be and didn't really expect a lot out of it. Um, I also sat through that 20 minute short beforehand. So I was getting a little bit scared again. Uh, two mothers sat on either side of me and they, you know, that mom laugh where like they're laughing for other people. They're not laughing because they think it's really funny, but they're doing that. Like, it's like, it's like, it's, it's the opposite of like Spence's laugh where he's like, ha, 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 ha. like yeah. mothers are like, ha, 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 ha. Ah. that is a funny thing for my child. Like they're trying yeah. to teach their kid how to laugh. Yeah. Two mothers, one on either side of me. Same exact situation well, hey, going the, on. They don't want the kid to pick up your laugh. <laughs> yeah. They don't want my, my laugh. So I was, I was. I was worried. They were laughing a lot during the short. I was, I was, I was afraid this was going to go very poorly. Um, I, I'm just getting the visual of Chris <laughs> sitting between two mothers laughing, and then him just going, "Oh god!" Clenching I the armrest a little more. Clenching the armrest. I can't move because it's reserved seating. But even though I still could move, <laughs> but I can't because I gotta sit in my seat and I just can't move. Anyway, yeah. That it's basically exactly what was happening. I was like sweating. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. <sighs> yeah, they don't serve drinks at I, like, the century. This, this <laughs> and, is and a re- yeah. This is a real thing. Luckily, the mothers reported this creepy dude sweating <laughs> between them during the Olaf short. Like, I wish I had, I wish I had tape of when 
Chris came with me and Sarah to see some dumb Liam Neeson movie, and we made him sit in the front section. It was like, come on, dude. It was like trying to like <laughs> trying to get like a dog to like get in the car or something. Or, you know, I don't know. Like it just just won't go in. Just like, come on, <laughs> sit with us, <laughs> eat this popcorn. <laughs> so all that being said. <laughs> Coco is so good, you guys. <laughs> I I really really love this movie. Um, I I mean, Schnazy Ken Schnaze about some ending stuff that is clearly telegraphed, and then the film continues for twenty minutes until the characters realize the thing that is obvious. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is fine because that reveal for younger audiences and parents who are half paying attention is going to be great. But I was kind of like. Like, as soon as they first set up the scenario in which this thing can happen, I'm like, oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, 20 minutes later, the character's are like, blah, 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 what? Yeah. Um, and and that, that sort of bugged the schnazy gun of schnaze part of my brain. But the rest of this film is great. Uh, as Steven mentioned, like, like I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about uh, Dia de los Mortes. I'm not even going to try it. Day of the Dead. Yeah, Day of the Dead. But... The world building in this is great. Like this, this is essentially you. Ha- I I happened to on Thanksgiving. There was a child in the room watching a bunch of animated films. One of those films was uh, Inside Out. So I got to re-experience the scene with Bing Bong stuck in the memory pit. Oh, yeah, Bing Bong. This is that memory pit as a yeah. whole movie. R.I.P. Bing. <laughs> this is this is the memory pit of Inside Out as an entire movie, and that concept is brilliant. And I guess this is just like the story that everybody knows because you know about the Day of the Dead. But like, as a person who doesn't like have this is back knowledge of this, like learning it through the character and having a character go like ah. Oh, this dumb day where I have to go around and put these photos up in my family and like put food that no one's going to eat on the table and like all this stuff and watching the child organically like Miguel experiencing the world from the other side in the land of the dead and seeing what it's like for the, the, the people on the outside and realizing how important these traditions are to the ancestors who have passed away. Like it was really, really interesting and compelling. And like, I, I, the, the the story of him trying to find out about his past is still interesting, but I was more interested in the world and these characters and the people who live in the land of the dead and how they go about their days and how like every year they're waiting for this moment they can come back and visit their family and how important it is to them. These people who like live in like basically this carnival city where you think it'd be super fun and awesome, but really what they care about is reconnecting with the family who is still alive on the world. Like all of that was done so brilliantly and like beautifully in like a way that I was really, really excited about. Like, you know, like I, I don't obviously like we, we see um, Miguel just able to play the guitar, right? Like it's not like he is trying really hard to get good and he's not really that good. And he's like, he just mm-hmm. plays it and he's fine. Like this isn't a story about a person trying to get good. This, this isn't like a whiplash, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is, this isn't a person trying to achieve the best music he can. This is a person just wanting to, get to a point where his family can't stop him from enjoying and wanting to play music in front of other people. Like when we meet the character, he has never played in front of anybody other than the dog. Mm. (laughs) So this isn't that story about this rising star. This is a story of a person delving into uh, uh, his family's culture and like learning about these really important lessons and learning uh, about his past in, in really, really interesting ways. And I, it was just one of those things where I, 
I was very, very um, invested in the characters and everything going around. And I, I just had an incredible time with it. And I maybe teared up a little bit at certain parts in the film. Uh, but whatever, just because you guys didn't, doesn't make it wrong for me to do it. Maybe clutch uh, the hands of both moms on either yeah, side both of you. Moms <laughs> on either side. Yeah, where you all That was hands. the point where I got thrown out. <laughs> um, but no, like, I, I, I really, really enjoyed this, this, uh, this movie and it was it was just I I was I was pleasantly surprised uh at what I got from it and I was pleasantly surprised at how invested I became in in uh the lives of the characters and the portrayal of what it means to be forgotten by people in the land of the living right like we always talk about other films that deal with the what is the legacy that you leave behind in the world after you're gone mm. but this is like a story that's like no like it's not just about the legacy. Like there, there are consequences of not leaving a legacy for people to go, and like just the idea of the idea of the double death or whatever they called it. Right, that yeah. was like a really, really interesting concept that I was just kind of like, dude, this is this is this is like heavy stuff that I think that like kids who were taught about this tradition are probably not taught with the context of really, really caring about it. Um, I mean, it's it's. I, I just assume that it's one of those things that like you do because it's tradition, but maybe you don't really care about it. And this film puts it into a perspective which makes you go like, like, no, this is important. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. I just, I just, I was really, really drawn into it, and I love the film. Yeah. So I have to ask, without giving away spoilers, when we watched the trailer for this, you noted the similarity with Kubo and the Two Strings. Of which there are at least like five more that you wouldn't have known before watching the movie. Did that like were you were you feeling that at all when watching? I think it's a coincidence. I don't think like they tried to do it, but it, it is kind of funny. Like a lot of the plot twists wind up being the same plot twist that Kubo had. Yeah, I mean, I maybe it, it was I, a leading question. I just yeah, thought, yeah, I thought I mean, it was funny. I, like, I, as they started to unfold, I was like, oh, Chris is going to find more similarities here. Yeah, I well, I I think I'm still the. Uh, another film that played in the room during Thanksgiving mm-hmm. <laughs> as the, at the child's request was, uh, was Moana, which also has like ties to Kubo and the two strings, but like it mm-hmm. ties in a, like it ties more literally to the three mission structure and things like that. So I, I'm, 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 I think I'm blocked by those comparisons mm-hmm. and I wasn't like, I don't even I don't even remember referencing Kubo and the Two Strings when I saw the trailer. I think but, you called it Coco and the Two Strings. Oh, that sounds like something I would call it. <laughs> I mean, anyway, they, they do totally different things. I, I yeah, don't want to yeah. actually compare them. Also, I think that, like, that was probably more of a cultural reappropriation joke than a like hmm. uh, assumed plot mechanics joke. But yes, <laughs> I mean, also these these plots in these animated movies are so similar. Like, there's so many similarities between not just this and kubo but just like you know example a and example b so mm-hmm. you know i don't know but i i would rather have seen the Leica version of of this movie yeah i don't know, know. I, I feel like we got we got like the good split though because this had the kind of yeah. pathos and really easy to digest heart that i like i think Leica is maybe too artistically pure for like they, like they wouldn't just hand it to you the way that this movie does and like sometimes i like just having it handed to me like tell me how to feel movie this is <laughs> just like carry me for an hour and 45 minutes oh yeah well like i said i you know 
uh, and I've said this before, like, I've, I've, the character of Miguel and this movie in general, like, I, I'll watch this any day over Inside Out. Yeah. Like, the girl in Inside Out, so annoying. Like, <laughs> that movie is like the Columbus of animated movies. Just, Jesus. Ugh. So, yeah, like, when it, it gets, I mean, that's also a reason why, like, I kind of didn't get the hate for Good Dinosaur, because, like, that movie felt very kid-like and just kind of pure. Um, and, and you know, after Inside Out, because uh, I think that came out the same year, mm-hmm. I was just like, this is, like, I just, this is, I'd rather watch this. You know, and sometimes, you know, it's kind of like how I'd rather watch a DreamWorks animated movie. Um, and, you know, there's, it's funny how there's very, there's a lot of similarities between, like, DC and Marvel and Pixar and DreamWorks. Because, like, Pixar is clearly the Marvel and DreamWorks is the DC. Like, DreamWorks got one movie, How to Train Your Dragon. That's their Wonder Woman that everyone likes. <laughs> and the rest are usually shit on. Um, but sometimes you just want to watch, like, Alec Baldwin as a baby, you know? Like, you know. <laughs> Uh, so that's where, you know, or, you know, wacky penguins and shit. Like, that's, that's, uh, you know, sometimes, like, I'll take that. And that's why I think I responded so much to The Good Dinosaur, because I was like, this is almost like a DreamWorks movie. Like, um, you know, like, I and I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a, a lot more serious approach. Um, so I'm glad that this one didn't have that approach. I, kind of in the beginning, I was getting those vibes, but then once he... Once he uh, went to the land of the dead, it was like, oh, okay, this is cool now. I mean, you can't really deny the, the just the visual, um, you know, display and and the the craft that went into that. Yeah, and uh, even just the the fun of when the adventure starts, like yeah, and it's a, a adventurous lot of Pixar, too. A lot of Pixar movies, like even ones that aren't held up as wonderful, like. Uh, you know, Finding Nemo or something, they don't have that feeling of, like, presenting a world that you can't wait to see more of. Yeah. And this, I think, just the the introduction of this, like, Grand Central Station customs place where Mm. you're suddenly in the land of the dead and there's this... You don't know anything about it, right? Like, there's all these different places and this hierarchy of people and there's bright lights and sounds everywhere. It was just fun. It, It was like... Yeah. It was like how I felt at, like, the moments in Hugo where you first start to, like... I, I don't know, you just feel this, like, little element of, like, oh, there's a lot of, like, fantasy to be found in this busy world that yeah. we live in. And it it's just heartwarming. It just feels good. Yeah, but I think it's also, like, it, yeah. it's, you know, Carson, you you joked uh, at the beginning about um, not only was there the short, but then there was, the, like, two minutes of Pixar, like, tooting their own horn about how much work it took to make The Land of the Dead. And mm-hmm. I think that, like, Seeing the film almost justifies that two-minute segment before the film started because I think in a lot of cases, you're going to watch this movie, you're not going to pay attention to it. And like when you look at it, it is really incredible. And like, like that, the, the Land of the Dead is, is part of why I told Stephen that he should definitely see it in 3D because it's like there, there's that one shot like once, uh, once the family has run into Miguel and they're like trying to make sure – um, they can take him back to the office to try to figure out how they're going to try to get him back to the real world. There's that scene where they're just like walking over that little bridge that kind of goes over the train station. And like, they're just so small compared to this world behind them. And you get like those, the depth of like them, the train and the city behind it. And you realize like how much work went in there. And I feel like that, that little scene where they're just like, Hey guys, just, you know, like look at the background because 
Somebody did this for a long time. See, I read that as, yeah. look, we're not all John Lasseter. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, I, I true. feel like this did not exist eight days ago. Yeah, I feel like they could have also just uncomposited his name real big at that one moment where it's like, and John Lasseter, and you're like, hmm, yup. Oh, that was like, uh, I forgot to bring it up last week, too, but that was like when I saw Justice League. And the Rat Pack logo came up in the beginning, and people literally booed. I mean, this is Hollywood, so it's expected. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they're like, "Boo!" It's like, "Fuck." Okay, yeah, we get it. But you also you paid to see the movie. They already got your money, so <laughs> if fuck they could have put Christopher Plummer's name there, that's all <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. I mean, they, you know, this just happened. They couldn't fucking take it out. What are they going to go in and literally cut the film print? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just put anything in. <laughs> <laughs> the projectionist could just stick his fingers up right in the middle. It was but, just so funny. Like, come on. But anyways, going, going back to what I was trying to say, like, it, it definitely feels like they were watching a final cut and somebody was like, damn it, those backgrounds are amazing. And no one's even going to freaking notice these. And they're like, well, we could just put a little section at the beginning. Where we're like, hey, please notice the backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> But no, like I, I, I thought like the environment was uh, really amazing looking, and I, it was, it was just like one of those things where it was like it was really impressive, and uh, I'm, I was stoked, stoked to watch it. Yeah, you know, I kind of felt the way I felt with Zootopia too, where there's the first introduction to the world of Zootopia. Yeah, and you look at how they flesh it out, and you're like. I want to watch an hour and a half of this. <laughs> like when the train's yeah, going through each yeah, of the sections. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was definitely Zootopia vibes. I mean. It was a completely realized world. Um, and I'll just say, I guess I should clarify, even though I'm sure nobody listening is going to question it. But, like, this, like, obviously, you know, I pretend, you know, I, like, shit on, like, the like the ape CGI and stuff like that. Now, obviously, I'm aware of the fact that there's a lot of hard work that goes into that, too. But I'm not a fan of those, like, trying to make realistic-looking animal type of CGI in a live-action movie. Now, in this case, where it's a completely CGI movie, like, yeah, like, give me that all day. Like, go to town and, like, spend, you know, all the little intricate details that we're probably not even going to notice. I mean, that's totally fine. Like, uh, anyway, I'm sure, so, I'm sure that clears up nothing, but... You know, you know, there's, I don't know, there's exceptions, but, um, yeah, I mean, like there, there's no doubt that the level of uh, detail that went into stuff that will probably go unnoticed, um, is definitely, uh, worth praising. Although I will say that like, I'm surprised Pixar just hasn't gone all in on the human characters, like making them look realistic like they still look cartoonish i'm i'm um, glad they opt for that though i think like, yeah robert zemeckis just scared everyone away for like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. way too Although, long but i mean i will say like uh grandma coco like she looked dead to real in some shots <laughs> i mean like cl- the close-up shots of her face look like very old real skin yeah because yeah. like one of the first shots of the movie is her face like you know uh after the kind of the little intro yeah i, I thought it was gonna be much more like than... Yeah, you're kind of like, holy shit. After that, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. gave me like super up vibes. Yeah, yeah, it had like that weird squarish kind of yeah. look to it. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, uh, 
but I mean, the like, look the, of the character was still cartoon, like Pixar look, but the detail was very realistic looking. But, but I think I think going with the sort of not quite real gives them chance for more expressiveness in the animation, and they buy into it like full, like like completely. Like even um, Stephen, you were you were praising the like, the bone rendering and animation, mm-hmm. but like even the scenes where like they're looking at the hand, like. Obviously, they they're simplifying the bone structure uh, yeah. in the hand, and they like they want it to be cartoony, and they lean into it really, really heavily. Um, but it allows them to do really, really interesting movement and kind of things that if they were trying to make it real-ish looking, it just wouldn't achieve that. And well, it also lets them make a movie about skeletons that doesn't look creepy, right? Yeah, true. Like you need kids. To, like I wasn't even realizing until I left the theater, but the character of Hector, I think, like we see for maybe like two seconds not as a skeleton yeah yeah and you still find him lovable like there's no moment where you're like creeped out or like whatever they did whatever blend of cartoonishness they did to make those characters be like ones you can relate to and just feel like good about or sad for like they they nailed it like i don't want them to fuck with that formula they did a good job And and i think it has to do too with the the amount of time they spent in building unique skeletal structures for each person like obviously all humans the skull underneath looks relatively close to the same right obviously if you have like a wider jaw or something then your jawbone is going to be structured a little bit different but essentially like the top of the head the eye sockets the nose and like the upper jaw look relatively the same on every single person right (laughs) it's just that's default human bone structure um but they really go out of their way to make each individual skull look very very different and um, to the point where, like, you can sort of recognize who a person is in the real world versus uh, in the the skeleton world, which I, it was was really really cool because it could have just been like you can only tell from what the outfit they're wearing, right? Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool. Cool. Anybody got any last thoughts on the film? Um, <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, the songs were good. Did did you mention? Did somebody mention the songs? I can't remember. I think only briefly. Yeah, they were good. They they weren't the kind that I think I'm gonna remember forever, despite remember the song me, being right? "Remember Me." <laughs> uh, but, they, but they were nice. They were, yeah, they were good. They're they're fine. <laughs> um, but uh, there were no frozen. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> oh well. I mean, they weren't. Well, it was the same. Uh, it was the same duo. The husband and wife uh, duo did the songs from Frozen. But did who's, Frozen have uh, whose name is Gino too? <laughs> Who, what? What? Did, did Frozen also have a score by Michael Giacchino? Uh, no, I don't think Giacchino did that one. Actually, I, I actually was not that. Uh, I, I thought his score was actually okay in this. Usually, it's like glaringly annoying. I didn't even notice it. I think I only yeah. noticed the the guitar songs. There were yeah, a couple yeah. like, yeah. I mean, again, it was it pretty much blended into the background, which is, you know, whatever. But um, there were a couple parts where I was like, oh, that's not terrible. That's not bad. But usually, like, yeah, like his stuff is just like always just kind of blends in, and like for me, that's. I don't know. I, I want it to like really stand out if it's going to be a you know good score. That's how I yeah whatever. Again, no nobody's stopping me, so I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to stop you, Carson. I'm going to stop you so that we can get to our verdicts okay. for this I'll, film. I want to look at the puns though for the the title tracks. 
Uh, well, you, you can cover those at the end for now. For now, let's do verdicts. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Must-see. It's, it's a great kids movie and a great Pixar movie. I'm glad I saw it. Carson Patrick. Uh, I don't know. It's it's between a must-see and a recommend for me. I guess the it's a recommend caveat. No, you can't fucking do that. Just give it a must-see. It's a recommend. <laughs> recommend caveat is that it's a must-see. Sure, it's a it's a must-see for the animation alone. But the opening I thought was whack. Yeah, well, we don't have to count that. Yeah. Must must avoid. A, I've actually seen posts <laughs> like in my RSS feed. There's posts that says when you should go into your screening of Coco to avoid the Olaf shorts. Oh, yeah, I've seen that too. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Anyways, for me, it is a must see. Um, as I said, great film. You should watch it. Uh, you know, it's something to feel good about and enjoy. Enjoy some awesome world building. So. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Spoiler Warning Podcast. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where is it that they can do that? You can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Carson Patrick? Uh, nowhere. Uh, you can find Car- me in the land of the dead. Yeah. If you just go ahead and uh, place a, a photo of Carson Patrick up on your mantle, he will come visit you once a year. Yeah. Um, for me, you can uh, find me at ChristopherRoulette.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, uh, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Coco. So hopefully you are enjoying that. Carson, do you have any particularly great puns in the soundtrack that you want to label off real fast? Oh, I didn't look it up. Okay. There, there weren't very many, actually. I, I was looking at it before. There's only like a couple that are even remotely punny, and they're like, it's all relative, and I assume it's when he meets the relatives. Gotcha, gotcha. Sounds like Giacchino was not doing his best work there. No, nope. <laughs> uh, He's slacking off, man. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a review of Coco. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for joining me. and uh, thank you guys all for listening we will see you next time